Hello Gundam fans and those who would like to become a Gundam fan, welcome to the Gundam Watch, an extension of Geek Devotions, the show from Devoted Geeks, who are devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm Dallas, and I'm so glad you guys get the play button on this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is you're listening to us. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, this is actually part two of a uh, one long episode. <laughs> uh, we are sitting down to review episodes one through five of Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. And last episode, well, it got just got a little bit long. And so I thought it'd be best to separate it into two separate episodes for the feed. Uh, last episode, we kind of talked about our expectations about the series. And we broke down the, some of the, the main characters, the first five uh, Gundam pilots plus Zex Marquis. And they're different uh, Gundams than what we thought of them. And uh, it was a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. But again, it was just got a little bit long. And I wanted to break this up into two segments. What you're about to listen to here now is a conversation between myself, my sister Damara, uh, John Haru, and Branson Boykin as we kind of break down what happened these first five episodes, including our maintenance reports, which if you're new to the Gundam Watch, maintenance report is where we uh, kind of dive in to what we just watched. And we try to find elements and we use it to let people know they're loved, they're cared for, and just to, to encourage you, to point you to something uh, greater than maybe where you're at today. And um, we want to encourage you guys, plug in, be part of the conversation, reach out to us. You can find us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just like for the Gundam Watch. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into today's episode. General Romeo coming in, begin transmission. Should you accept it now, here's your mission. Take your pilot seat and turn on your television. Logging into the Gundam Watch. What is the Gundam? We're gonna answer that question. From back in the classics to the newer expansion. Explore the lore with Dallas Moore and Branson. Welcome to the Gundam Watch. Moriagare, Moriagare, come and join the Gundam Watch. Moriagare, Moriagare, come and join the Gundam Watch. Brought to you by Geek Devotions comes another podcast to keep your feet in motion. Listening close and see what's all the commotion. Logging into the Gundam Watch. Dallas and Branson bringing their fandom to you with the passion of the veteran instructing the new. We're diving deep, but the same these views and reviews. Welcome to the Gundam Watch. All right. Well, what's uh, again? Again, depending on how long this next session goes, we may cut this into two episodes. But let's talk about what's actually happened in this. And we kind of we had to hold John back a little bit. Um, Can I start? Go for it. <laughs> okay. I've, this probably sounds horrible, but okay. So our character Relina. I, she's one of the most annoying characters in the first five. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's probably horrible to say out loud, but she really is the most annoying to me. It, she's just yeah. kind of an airhead sometimes. Um, totally. That girl needs a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> Her obsession with um, with uh, Hero is ridiculous. And we talked about awful. Like in the comic, you see it discover that she met Hero, but like, and that's actually interesting because the manga actually says a boy that looked a lot like Hero. Mm-hmm. And like, he was an orphan kid that was in the school that everyone was a jerk to, and she yeah. ran into him and she didn't really apologize and got out of her way. But there's, and there's some things that took place in that interaction too. But that, like, there's this whole, like, I'm trying to be a better person than what I was several years ago mm-hmm. towards this young man who reminds her of a young man that she was a butthole to. Yeah. 
And see, when you explain that, it helped so much of her choices and actions mm-hmm. make sense to me of why she's so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that going in, I'm like, like John said, dang, this girl's just got it bad. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Please pay attention to me. Which is one of the reasons why people have issues with the series, because there's so many things that like, if you haven't read this manga, you're missing some critical information. I do want to point out, I did know that information. She's still annoying the first five episodes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she is. I, and I, I said, like we said earlier, it's she's an annoying character. Mm-hmm. Um, she she plays up this uh, stereotypical rich girl. I'm angry at the world, and we don't really get a reasoning why for that. Outside yeah. the fact that Daddy's not there because he's a politician, right? Which, as it turns out, isn't her daddy anyway. Okay, yeah. Yeah. What? How was that revelation for you guys? Discovering that 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 her she's part of a bigger family called the Peacecrafts who were had a kingdom. I was. Uh, oh, go ahead. For me, it was just like, oh, okay, we're doing Star Wars in reverse. Cool, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Relina, I am not your father. <laughs> I mean, that's. I was more intrigued by the political ramifications of it than how it would affect Relina. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a problem later down the line. Mm-hmm. But I, I I just, I don't know. I Like I said, I, I care more about her knowing that she's trying to make up for past mistakes because mm-hmm. uh, I like redemption arcs. But outside of that, I'm just, yeah. Eh, let's get back to the robots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I would also second what Damara said, except for a different reason. Oh, yeah? She she annoys me because of what she represents, mm. which is a ham-fisted, crowbarred romance, which I don't want. Can't I just have violence and death for the sake of violence and death? I mean... <laughs> you like the uh, the potential romance in uh, G-Witch? I it's because I'm there for a completely different reason. <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> that 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 I like. It, it's like energy versus potential energy. I, I want I, I want the potential energy. I don't want the energy itself. I got gotcha. you. Te- tease me with the feels without giving them to me. I got gotcha. you. There is a level of, I, and I get that there is this weird like ham fisting the relationship in there between her and hero. And he was just like not having it. He's right. just like, no, I'm going. But you to know, kill at you. some point in time, that there, there's going to be like she's going to save his life, or he's going to save her life, and they're going to look longingly into each other's eyes, and he's going to be <laughs> like, "It was you all along." And she'll be like, <laughs> "I know, and I was there at the orphanage, and we need to kiss and make Gundam babies." <laughs> It doesn't quite happen that way, but I'll say this. But we like if you notice, like again, with his backstory of he's a killing machine, that's always ever been. Everyone's always looked at him as a tool. Yeah. And here's the first time somebody seems to care about his life for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Like she has no reason that he can t- tell to care about him. But now there's a person that does. And it's mm-hmm. interesting. Again, we see the in the I think it was the second episode when uh he's been captured and he's in that hospital, which how crazy was that? Like he wakes up, but he's not making it like his, he's keeping all of his stuff down. So they can't tell that he's alive, basically. Right. But when he jumps out, he's ready to go. Like he's fatalistic. He's ready to die. Mm-hmm. And she shouts out to him. And all of a sudden, he's like, like all of a sudden, there's purpose. And like he's like, it snaps him out of his like self absorbedness. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I got stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I, I guess I took that as he was just unconscious 
and her her shrill voice just <laughs> it's like oh shoot it was like an alarm clock it was like oh yeah right okay let me put my pants maybe on. that was the reason why he was ready to die <laughs> i mean the thing is like normally when i see characters like that um oh poor thing they're trying to be nice and that person's being mean and i'm like get a hint girl he's not interested move on right <laughs> so oh my gosh now i will say as we're talking about Hero waking up and realizing there's a bit more humanity in him. I think Duo did a great job of kind of forcing him to go, what is wrong with you? Yeah. This piece is missing. And I think that spurs on more on that side of dealing with Relina that he's now going, okay, this guy keeps telling me I'm crazy. Maybe I probably shouldn't be as much of a jerk. Right. Yeah. To Relina. Exactly. Um, so I do think Duo played a huge part in that. And I think Duo is... A, excellent character to use as like that best friend that's gonna sit there and go you are an idiot sir yeah Yeah. wake up people people are human beings they are not machines to kill yeah yeah so what you guys think of the so we have these we have the basically three factions you have the alliance Mm -hmm. you have oz and then you have the rebellion that's taking place um and they're and they're they're very they're three very different sections that are taking place what are you guys thoughts about this uh this political story um, I haven't gotten deep enough into it yet to get all of the particulars about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely different from uh, the the movies, the first movies. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still getting used to the idea. Now, is Oz like a subset within the Alliance or is it its own completely different thing? Imagine that it's just outside of Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> just imagine that the Marine Corps is privatized. Okay. That's what Oz is. Okay. It is a, um, that's the specials mm-hmm. and it is a organization that's ran by some, a, a group of elites and they have their own private military that are working in cooperation with the Alliance. Okay. But then this, but this is where it gets interesting with them, is because they seem to have their their own agenda. Right. They're not necessarily full on with the alliance. Uh-huh. They're they're definitely on their own. They're not the ones who necessarily were behind. They did not have the same goals for the assassination of Hero Yui as the alliance did. The alliance simply wanted to start a war to take control over the because, like the Doctor J said, when Hero Yui died, all the colonies began to. Start communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Here he was trying to unite all of them, basically make a United Nations of the colonies. Yeah. When that splinter happened, the Alliance is taking the power grab going, no, no, you're all going to belong to us now. I see. Yeah. United. Uh, and so that's what happened there. Mm-hmm. Oz has some other motive. We're not, we're not told yet what it is. So they basically took Char and made it an entire organization. Yeah. You can kind of say that. Okay. You can kind of say that. Yeah. Um, one of the things, one of the major differences I noticed between this series, at least so far, and the movie is that the movie, the movie was very careful about you not knowing which side was the good side because it made you feel for the antagonist more. Mm-hmm. This one seems to sully the hero more, if that makes sense. In what way? Uh, the protagonists are more bloodthirsty okay you see what i mean Mm -hmm. so i'm in the same position 
with this series as it was with the movies, but for different reasons. In the movies, I didn't know which side to root for because both sides had honorable men that I really liked. Like mm-hmm. we talked about Rawl mm-hmm. and how much I enjoyed Rawl and I hated that he was with uh, Zeon. Zeon. Because I didn't want to root for Zeon, but I really liked that guy. Right. With Gundam Wing, both sides have kind of got their hands dirty. Both mm-hmm. sides are kind of doing bloody things. And so there's not really a standard of, hey, this is the ideal we hold to. Everyone's just kind of out for themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or if they're teaming up, it's because we have, you know, we have mutual goals, not necessarily because we're buddies. Right. I I would... I would be I would venture to guess that what you're experiencing there, Branson, yeah. is the 90s, the 90s. <laughs> well, no. And, and I, I say that in that one of the one of the key ideas of the 90s that I don't think a lot of people remember very well is the idea of idealism mm-hmm. was being kicked out a bit. I mean, yeah. early in the 90s, they killed Superman because Superman was a hard character to get behind because he's so idealistic. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it that was the rise of grunge, which was, you know, not happy and intentionally so. <laughs> not happy. And yeah. that's when they broke Batman's back and let John Paul Valley be Batman for a while. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Who had zero qualms about killing people. Right. Uh, you know, everything was darky McDark dark. And so <laughs> this was the days of Alan Moore's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it I, I think that it was just more an expression of the, t- the ideal of the time in that, there really isn't a, a truly good guy in these stories. There are mm-hmm. only people on each side who have their own ideas of what needs to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's less of a, this is the right side. This is the wrong side. And more of a, these are people who have these ideas. Both ideas have a certain amount of merit to it, mm-hmm. but both sides also have people who are willing to go too far to achieve that for their own ends. Yeah. So you find yourself rooting for people more than you are rooting for specific sides. I get that. Right. Yeah. You're the, you're the professional counselor here, literally. What are your thoughts on this topic about the fact that you, it does seem like these young men who are supposed to be the uh, protagonists, they, they're out for blood. Now I will say this, it's a little more complex than that. They're all different. But what are your thoughts on that conversation? So I will like what he said is absolutely right about the removal of that ide- ideology. Ideology is being removed, and we were much more in a time span of introducing being more realistic in the reality that there's negative on both sides, just as much as there's positive on both sides. And we saw just a growth in the '90s for that. And I think that's actually what attracted us to it is that you couldn't just look at a character and just see all the good. You would see these negatives and suddenly you're able to identify more with a character. Um, on the mental side of things, I'm like, if you put, I'm going to use Hero Yui for this because he's the most developed so far in the series right now. But if you sat him down at a counselor's office, there's a reason there's a shutdown. Mm-hmm. There's a reason there's this hardcore shell and legitimately, you have to be a certain type of personality to crack through the shell and all those layers to get right back down to the heart. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, again, kind of foreshadowing a little bit into the future of the episode. At some point, 
he's going to have to address why he's fully shut down to the rest of the world and realize what's going on around him. That's at some point everyone breaks. Right. Um, But in the series, you see five characters, five totally different colonies that have developed these Gundams to match the certain personality of the people they've been shaped. And you see that there's different variations, but without the five together, Kind, you know, when, kind of around the characters, but not that we're getting the kind, kind of spoilery. I'm my bad, <laughs> but my bad. but just just put it out there for you guys. These Gundams, not all of these guys were originally the pilots. Yeah, I wish I wasn't gonna say that. You said that. Yeah, so but just, but, just heads up. But you're going a route that you had to presume that they are. For full context, ladies and gentlemen, we're probably going to have to get Demera an oral surgeon because the amount of time she has bit her tongue <laughs> in this recording. Like, I'm looking at her, and seriously, it's a wonder she has a tongue left because she's going... It's easy. My tongue is not under my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's coming from. I might have to have, you know, replacement teeth eventually. <laughs> but, I mean, literally in those first five episodes, like, I'm going to look at Troa Barton. You don't get that quiet exterior for nothing. Right. That is another defense mechanism that kicks in. Right. Then you have Catcher that's 100% emotionally out there. He is probably emotionally the most stable at this moment. Mm -hmm. But then you got Duo Maxwell who's over here that there is this fiery fury that is, you can kind of see it on the core of him when he gets into his Gundam. Right. But he still has the switch to stop him from going too far. Right. Whereas... It, it's to me in the first five you don't see that switch as prevalent mm-hmm. other than founding Catra. Catra is the one who stops Troa from continuously right. moving yeah. and going, Hey, you let's redirect, let's stop. Yeah. Which sometimes because Catra's the only one, in my opinion, that again we'll find out later with some stuff, he's the only one that has a family. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that has an extended family in the in the the Magna Corps. Like he's the only one that has that stability. Everyone else it's solo. They're isolated. They're completely isolated for one reason or another. Uh, Troa, uh, I'll give you this backstory. Like I said, he has no memory of his early life. Mm-hmm. Ah. Like before three, he has no memory. Or before four or five, he has no memory. And he was raised with by mercenaries who didn't give him a name. Oh, He was called No Name. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but you mean, in the series... That y'all see, you don't get that backstory, but you do know that there's something under the surface, and mm-hmm. it does take time to get anywhere to really see the depth of it. Right. But I do want to caution y'all, as you go through, keep in mind, something builds these five characters from that first image that you see. Mm-hmm. Technically, we're given a chance to see how every single person, every character is going to see them in their first moments. Right. And throughout the series, while you're falling for the character and going, wow, okay, I see this a little bit more clearly... The other characters, that first initial meeting is meant to be very abrupt and very okay. Mm. So, like, it makes sense for us not to necessarily remember Shenlong necessarily oh. or Wu Fei because he is out of sight, out of mind. That's what he. That's yeah, how he's yeah. built. Totally. Troa disappears really mm. easily. Heavy arms, not so much. <laughs> 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 their gun. Some of their Gundams are just out there. They only call them by Gundam, but we always notice that they know who Zero One is. 
because mm-hmm. zero one makes the biggest impact. Right. Now, granted, we see him repeatedly, but for everyone else, that's the first Gundam they really see being televised mm-hmm. is zero one. That's the other one they saw not as a shooting star, but like as an actual invading. Right. Yeah. Yeah. While the others are kind of able to disappear in the background still, yeah. but keep in mind he was meant to be able to disappear too. Mm-hmm. So you got a different aspect that's, to have a character that really prefers not to go noticed, he is front and center and unwillingly so. Yeah, totally. Right. So, kind of going back to the first episode, uh, since you brought up the zero one then conflicts, uh, I want to point out this. I loved the conflict between the first conflict between Zex and uh, zero one uh, Hero Yui uh, in the first episode because it is a callback to the original Gundam series of, uh, and you'll remember this when. Uh, White base is trying to land on Earth, uh-huh. and uh, what happens? You have Gundam outside, and there's yeah. an air battle between Gundam and Sharaznable. Right. That's basically what they did. Yeah, it was just that scene again. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, but it was played out slightly differently. Obviously, mm-hmm. I appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, as a whole, because it establishes that connection for OG fans uh-huh. and people who are newer. Like, and this is our first time. Like, so when I first watched that scene with uh, that you and I talked about in the last mm-hmm. uh, bit. For me, it was a great callback to Gundam Wing. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the Marion like, I grew oh, up on. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And, and I like that uh, Zex, I mean, he kind of, once he got the Gundam in that chokehold or whatever, mm-hmm. and he just abandoned ship, he was like, okay, I've got it to where we can find this later. And he jumps out. That kind of is a throwback to Char because mm-hmm. dude had a new Gundam every episode practically. <laughs> He's like, oh, blew that one up. Let's yep. get another one. <laughs> yep. You know? True story. Any other thoughts on this? On like what happened in this first uh, five episodes, guys? I mean, there's a lot took place. And I know it's getting a little bit late for all of us. I will say, um, kind of back to their different mentalities. Uh, Hero Yui is the only character willing to immediately self-destruct his Gundam, even when it's not really time. He's willing to jump the gun to light that thing yeah. up. Oh, he will. Whereas the others, they have a pause moment. There's an attachment to the Gundam itself, mm-hmm. which is kind of a testament that they haven't lost or have not been isolated as much as Hero Yui seems to mm-hmm. have been. Especially just with that attachment. I don't feel like Troa with heavy arms may be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them seem to have an emotional attachment to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. John, how about you, man? What are your thoughts on any, on uh, the first five episodes? I think I've kind of said it as we go on. Yeah, uh, Relina's thirsty McThurston. Um, what's her face? Who really is? That, there's that other lady that I don't remember her name. All of a sudden, Noin. Yeah, annoying. Um, <laughs> uh, she's super thirsty for Zex. Um, it's they're I don't know. It's just they're they seem to really want to force this idea of relationships in the show, and it, it it annoys me. I'm super interested in the initial conflict, but I don't I don't. I don't know enough about it yet to really feel the hook set, mm-hmm. but there's enough there that that I'm I'm coming back for it. Where it's like, all right, you know, there's I I can feel that there's going to be something going forward that's going to hook me in the same way that the witch from Mercury has. It's not going to be the same thing. Because, <laughs> 
that ship done sailed and that's i think we all can agree that what's got me on the wish for mercury is something that's very irregular for me to be interested in it is very irregular um i am curious about the rebellion because they just started to tap on it by the end of episode five when they pulled the reverse star wars right um so I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. But as far as solid thoughts, um, I feel like I came in at in the middle of a season instead of at the beginning of one. It's really what it feels like. And I'm trying to use context clues to figure out what's going on. I will say that's a great way of describing what is happening. The, the, um, the narrators used a lot because there is a lot of like, here's a story, here's background, here's tech contextualization of what's happening here like i think it was episode two where you get the like sudden like info dump about who the specials were and trey's kushanada and mm-hmm. and all these things even um it, it there the, this will happen several times especially in these first few episodes where they're just here's the stuff you need to know to get this party started here and i, I think that some of it is because they're like we have to throw a lot of action into this to hook you because we understand there's if we were to play this out naturally, we had to like have a really slow conversation about five Gundam pilots plus three different worldview factions that are taking place. Mm-hmm. And that I think that they're they're doing it this way because they figure this is the best way to keep people uh involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll readily admit this one this one hooked me immediately. Yeah. Um because it was so action packed because I mean, within 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the first episode, Gundam's already out. We're already fighting. Right. You know? Uh, so, and I think I've said before, I mean, I get why this series is what started the craze in America because it, I mean, this was cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I am eager to keep going because as, as John said, I feel like we're in the, in the middle of stuff and I know that in future episodes they will explain more. So I'm like, you know, I feel like Sheldon Cooper after he's had coffee, I don't need sleep. I need answers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. Definitely. So I'm just excited to keep going. I'm, I'm eager. Yeah. All right. Cool beans. Well, if I think we've, we've given all we can for right now. Again, this has been a longer episode. And in future episodes where we're breaking down this one, it won't be as long because we're not breaking down five characters and the gun and stuff like that. Um, so real quick, just around the table. Do we like it? Do we not like it? Would we recommend this based on these first five episodes? Demary, you're the newbie uh, to the show. Do you do you, you don't like it? Do you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for wasting your time, Demara. I'm sorry. Like, that, why am I even here? This is a ridiculous show. I know it's just a cartoon. I apologize for wasting your, your very busy time. No, what's your thoughts, Demara? You want my true thoughts? Yeah, your true thoughts. Okay. Well, I love it just as much now as I did when we were kids. Okay. Like it did not lose its fire for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess for some shows I've gone back and looked and I've had that issue where i'm like "Ah, why did i enjoy this so much yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) this is not one of those yeah i mean i think this is one of those that manages to stand the test of time Mm -hmm. um and it kind of made me want to go back and watch escaflone again oh yeah (laughs) that was that was a little bit older that was about the same time frame yeah well i mean for you it was a little bit later it was old we watched escaflone before though no we did not watch escaflone we saw it on tv 
Oh, that's right. Because they played it on Fox. It got played on back Fox. Back in Missouri. We saw that yeah. before we saw Gundam Wing. So It's coming back to me, children. <laughs> I've been diminished to children. Um, but no, it didn't lose its fire for me. So, I mean, watching it again um, without getting in trouble, I will say that I am not on episode five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Branson? Uh, I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think I'm enjoying it more than the movies even. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of that is probably because it's episodic. So I'm able to consume the information at a more reasonable rate. Right. Than the info dump that the movies were. Right. Uh, I love that there are more Gundams than just the one. Yeah. So there's, I get to see more action. Uh, As far as recommending it. uh, So long, so long as you have a, a, probably like a teenager that can handle foul language in wartime situations, Mm -hmm. uh, I would absolutely recommend it. Probably wouldn't my oldest, I'd probably let him sit down and watch it. If we had a conversation about language and things Mm -hmm. like that, definitely not for my youngest. Right. Uh, but that's fair. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, for, for anyone who enjoys anime, Mm -hmm. uh, enjoys Gundam, I, I mean, I think it would be a great jumping on point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'll say this. When this aired in the States originally, it came out two different times. came out during the day in the Toonami block, and uh, it was edited. So they edited out blood and cursing. And then later that evening for Adult Swim, they all they did was just made all the the drooling and sweat stains into the blood that they were, (laughs) and then they included the cursing. And so that was kind of their mindset of it. John, how about you, man? Please don't hurt me. Okay. Uh, right now, I am very lukewarm. On okay, it. we're jetting some off of okay. uh, Shiro Base, the Mario Technos one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going, John. That's fair. I, I, I am very lukewarm on it. Um, I'm not the type of person who gets excited about action and and explosions and whatnot. Uh, I, like, I like nuance. I like plot hooks and twists and i can tell that this series is going to have a lot of them which is what's keeping me on board i just we haven't got there yet i got you um and that's okay um i i've i've watched plenty of uh slow burns in my life and i'm fine waiting as long as the payoff is worth it and for as gaga as i have seen people get over this specific series um I I, th- I think that the payoff probably will be worth the wait. So I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. Um, so, you know, and, and that's just me being honest. I'm very lukewarm on it at the moment. But yeah. I, antici- I anticipate heating up on it as we go. I got you. Um, as far as recommendations, I would, I would, make the recommendation to people who are interested in the Gundam, the Gundam TV, the Gundam property. I'll put it like that. Franchise. Um, uh, You know, I, I would say, Hey, you know, if you're into something that has a certain amount of political intrigue to it, um, if you're super into action for action's sake, then this is definitely something for you. Uh, if you're into something that's going to have a dense plot to it, probably something for you where I'm at. I haven't seen it, but 
It's, it's, it's like when you're walking past the, when you're walking in a store that has its own bakery first thing in the morning, you, know? <laughs> you, you don't necessarily see the bakery, but you know, it's there. Right. You can smell yeah. it. And that, and that's kind of where I am with the plot on it at this point. I gotcha. I dig it. Uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of nostalgia feelings for it. Again, I, I, unlike you guys, uh, I'm with Demera. I have the future knowledge of things, so I know what's coming down the line. I'm excited about certain things. Uh, I've mentioned this in my expectations that because I know so much, I'm trying to hold my expectations here and try to really focus on what is it like for that first time view. It is the action that pulls you in and they're like, okay, this is awesome. Um, the, I remember the revelation of Relina being a peacecraft. Um, that opened the door, the political side of it, because now it's not longer Oz, Alliance, Rebellion. It's Law, Oz, Alliance, Rebellion, Peacecraft family? What's happening mm-hmm. here? Yeah. And so all this stuff is kind of coming together. So I find it interesting. I would recommend it to folks. Um, you got to be okay with 90s style animation, which I'm, I'm a fan of. I feel like the 90s was a, kind of a sweet spot for animation, uh, for anime. Um, dubbing's kind of dodgy at times. Although I will say this. I found this interesting. Um, the sound leveling in the American dubbing versus the Japanese is different. The Japanese leveling, it seems more even, a little more uh, well-balanced, whereas in, in the English, it seemed everywhere. Like there were times where the music was just way over, over uh, overreaching, and then there were times where it wasn't there at all, and sound effects were just abnormally loud or something like that. So mm-hmm. I do recommend the Japanese dubbing to a degree. So, all right. Well, that's our thoughts. We want to hear from you guys. Um, what you guys thoughts are? Do you like Gundam Wing? Do you not like Gundam Wing? Let us know. We're going to make a quick transition into our maintenance reports. Now loading the cruise maintenance reports. Reports begin in 3, 2, 1. Alright guys, welcome back to the Gundam Watch. We are in this section of our show where we do the maintenance report. That is where we take elements and aspects of the Gundam show that we've just watched and we bring... Uh, spiritual application and spiritual truth to it so does anyone have a maintenance report for us based on the first five episodes of gundam wing i do do it john come on john uh actually mine was inspired as i was listening to demara talk about duo of all things uh which you know, listeners of our other shows know that typically I pull up my, uh, mate, my, I will call it maintenance report, um, based off of listening to other people talk. Cause that gets me thinking. Um, and this one is based off of Proverbs 29, 11, uh, which is a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Mm. And as Demera had said about duo, uh, that's basically what he does. He does have, uh, he does have a lot of wrath inside, but he, he knows a point to withdraw it and to not give full vent to it. Um, so within these first five episodes, I think that's the reason why he is so admirable to me is because he does have a certain sense of control and self editing. Yeah. Um, and so he, I, I find him to be an, a, an example of Proverbs 29, 11 in put in action. I get so. that. That's cool, man. I like it. Branson, you guys on? I do. Um, going off, <coughs> excuse me, going off of, 
uh, just the interactions that the Gundam pilots who actually met each other, mm-hmm. the interactions they had. When you see, uh, I'm going to say the guy's name wrong, Katra? Ketra? Katra. Katra, when he meets Troa, mm. and he figures out, we've got the same objectives here, and he stops him and says, we shouldn't be fighting each other. And I think in that fight, he even like opens up his Gundam and steps out mm-hmm. before Troa does. Yeah. Like he's against a Gundam that literally has huge cannons for arms. And he's like, I'm going to open my hatch and step outside with my very frail body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he says, we shouldn't be fighting each other. And then you have that scene where they're getting to know each other in the, in, in the house. And then they, they build that friendship. You see the way duo is with hero when he breaks him out of the hospital. Mm hmm. And he has just those very forward conversations with him about, you know, you got to treat people like they're human beings. You got to, you know, there's this camaraderie that, that begins there. And, um, and that's really the first time that you get a sense that the Gundam pilots aren't just every man for themselves. Like there is a commonality of design, a commonality of purpose. Definitely. Uh, Zegs and Zex. Zex and Noin. Um, they fight together, but there's like a respect for each other. And Noin actually loves Zex, but you know, there's that, that thing. There's, there's a whole lot. You can tell who's on what side by the way they act with each other. Mm. And that reminds me of John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, Yeah. you know, say what you will about the political aspects of what's going on. The reason you know that Duo and Hero are on the same side is the way they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. The reason you know Zex and Noin are on the same side, it's the way they interact with each other. Zex and the leader of Oz, uh, what's his name? Oh, um, Trey. the wizard. Trey's Krushinata. Krushinata, yeah. Uh, the way he interacts, you know, there's, there's a, a respect. There's almost like a playful, brotherly, I'm going to ribbit you a little bit, but you can just tell. And especially nowadays, that seems to be a lost art. Mm. You know, uh, there's this whole we eat our own young Mm. type attitude. Uh, I think about the way certain Christian properties are attacked because either it's popular, so people hate it because it's popular, or it's not popular enough, so people hate it because it's not popular enough. We, we as Christians tend to find a lot of reasons to argue with each other. And that's not what Jesus taught. What Jesus taught was one of the main reasons you could tell that a person is a disciple of Christ is the way they love each other. And in, in, a, in a society where we are so desperate to be right, in a society where the people who can yell the loudest, who are offended the most or the most correct, that is an art that we've lost. There's no desire for unity. There's no desire for getting along. There's no desire for, for kinship and companionship. Uh, and, and I think that's a lesson that, that we could learn from Jesus's teaching that I see personified in this show is you can tell when the chips go down and bullets start flying, you know, who's got each other's back because of the way they act towards each other. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think that's something that we as Christians need to emulate better mm. is even if at the end of the day, we don't necessarily agree on things that we might think are very important. 
ultimately what we need to be able to do is show that we care about each other. Yeah. And even if we do disagree, showing that we care about each other shows that we can work through those disagreements and, and at least come to some common ground. Yeah, totally. You got anything to mirror? I do. Okay. I'm not pulling out a bunch of Bible verses because I feel like that'd be a lot more um, defined. But one of the things I wanted to point out was, you know, when we go through and we're reading the Gospels and we start reading about Jesus bringing in these different disciples over time, none of the disciples were perfect. Right. None of them came out as the idealistic view that people have. And in this show, we get a glimpse of the each and every single Gundam pilot is not perfect. Right. And it was, I think this was one of those big shows in the 90s where we got to see characters that were not perfect at all. And there was growth that had to happen. Mm -hmm. And in the disciples, that is exactly what happened. They had to grow in Jesus when they made the choice to follow him. And in our walk with Christ, that is a daily thing. We have to be willing to grow from wherever we're at. We will never be 100% perfect. Right. There will always be something to grow. Totally. And learning to accept that you are walking in a state of growth, I think, is a testament of being willing to walk with Christ mm. and not be, oh, I'm, I've made it to this level, so I'm perfect. I can answer every question of the sun. Mm -hmm. um, in my profession, one of the things that I was shocked by um in my early years when I was in my master's degree, I had a supervisor, and it was Cole Flournoy. He's an amazing man of God um, that's now passed away. But one of the things he that struck him was I looked at him one day when he asked me, like, this big technical question. And, like, every intern, they're supposed to answer with, like, this great answer. And I looked him straight in the eye and I said, I can't answer your question because I don't actually know the answer. But I'm willing to work and research to find the answer. And I blew him away that day, and I didn't know why. And it was the very principle of that is what Jesus asked. He mm -hmm. doesn't ask you to give him an answer for everything. When he asks you to give you something, he knows that you're not going to be 100% know how to do it because there's emotions involved. There's all this mess that's there and you have to work at it. Yeah. And we ask that um, at my job, we ask that frequently is, are you willing to try? Are you willing to not even try? Are you willing to make the steps even if you are unstable in that step, are you willing to make the step of faith? Yeah. And that is a testament to how the disciples were. And I thought that was a great demonstration with the Gundam pilots in that regard. Yeah, totally. I like it. So for mine, I'm looking at, um, it, it's kind of a magma of the, of the manga in this. And that's the, um, the relationship between Katra and Troa. Uh, like I said, Katra's really got this thing of, he is seeing, and they're not saying it, but they're saying it. He sees what's happening inside of Troa. This mindset of, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. This whole, I am no one mindset. And Catra remembers having that same mindset. And so his friendship with him is he's trying to unlock, he, first off, he sees kinship, but he's trying to unlock purpose. He's trying to go, look, you are someone, you are this. And to me, that's real reminiscent of what we see um, with the relationship between um the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Uh, not necessarily the uh, the father-son aspect of it, but there is the, I see what's happening inside of you. I see the trouble. I see the trauma. I've experienced that. Let me speak into you. Mm -hmm. Paul, he saw Timothy. A young man has kind of a very similar mindset of him. He's a young man that's split between these two worlds of 
being Greek and being Jewish, which are very different worlds and having to navigate that and having been trained up in certain things. And so Paul walks Timothy through that. And we need to be willing to look at other people, identify people who maybe have gone through some of the same trauma we've been through, who are going through some of the same struggles and go, I know where you've been. And I, I want to graciously help you. I want to humbly walk you through this because you don't have to do it on your own. Katra had to navigate this on his own through a very severe thing that took place, a very traumatizing thing that took place. Uh, Tro is obviously, he's got a lot of stuff going on, um, but Katra's trying to help him. There are people who are going through stuff and they're on the verge of going through stuff that maybe you've gone through, that you've seen. And we need to be mature enough to go, hey, let me walk you through this. There's there's this terrible idea out there that, well, they should just suck it up and go through it because we went through it also. They don't have to. Why does somebody have to go through the same trauma that you went through right. for them to grow? Why can't you step in mm-hmm. and with grace and teach them? At the same time, it takes us to going, when somebody comes into our life, going, hey, I see the road you're going down, humbling ourselves and going, okay, yeah, you've, you've, you've been through this. Help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, walk yeah. me through this. And so that's kind of my, that's my encouragement is we need to humble ourselves to speak into lives of other people, but also have our lives spoken into so we can help other people and grow also. So that's my, my maintenance report. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first five episodes of Gundam Wing discussed. Uh, future episodes are going to be a little bit different uh, because we won't be doing such a character breakdown. Uh, but we hope you enjoy it. Want to hear from you guys. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Let us know. The uh, very you're the guest. Anything you want to promote? Any way that people can get a hold of you? Social security number? Uh, DNA test? No. I mean, to actually be able to get a hold of me as far as like on social media, just send out a message to Geek Devotions. They'll forward it to me if you have questions or something or have a question in that regard. As far as professionally, um, I work in an addiction center. So if you have active addiction and you live in the state of Louisiana, uh, you are welcome to let Geek Devotions know, and I will get you some contact information if you are in need of help in that regard. True story. Good deal. Branson? Um, you can find me on a corner of ComTalk called Beezus and Reviews, where I review faith-based family-friendly comics. If you have a faith-based family-friendly comic you want me to review, send it to branson.boykin at gmail.com. I also have an audio drama called Gospel by Gaslight. You can go on your favorite podcaster, podcast catchers like Apple, uh, Google, Google, Anchor, all that fun stuff. Thank you. Brain's not working at the moment. Just search for Gospel by Gaslight and you'll find it there. Good deal. Mr. Haru. Um, yeah, just check the, if you're interested in what I've got going on, check the link tree in the show descriptions. <laughs> it's a lot. Um Pretty much, I everything Dallas does in podcast form, I do too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just check that out. There you go. All right. Well, hey, if you want to follow Gundam Watch, check out Gundam Watch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for the Gundam Watch. We pop up pretty easily. Uh, we post different things there, some videos, and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, make sure you follow our YouTube channel also, where we post up some other random things and. Uh, if you are interested in more about Geek Devotions as a whole, visit geekdevotions.com where you find information about The Gundam Watch, The Bottom Shelf, which is a podcast where we review terrible movies. We Read Allegedly, where they review movies. Uh, Com Talk, which is a general geekery mo- uh, show. And then our weekly devotions we put out every Friday on YouTube at Geek Devotions. So, 
That being said, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love.